This is the Yay, I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring the Yay. Uh, Central Works New Play Theater, headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And we have a wonderful guest, Sonia Salker. You are a, um, a budding playwright. I think you're an actress as well. And you have a wonderful play called Cray, which is going to be streamed. And I think you are fundraising right now. But um, Sonia, how are you doing today? Good, good. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to fundraise. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, uh, the A, we want to be as much of a help as absolutely possible. So we'll talk more about you and about Cray. Um, but as I begin our uh, podcast, how's Rick Norman? And thank you for a wonderful thanks, um, 4th of July. 4th of July. Yeah. See, I love, and I haven't, I, I think I'm still recovering. Um, I invite all kinds of people and I tell them, if you want to go see a good fireworks show and you want to be relaxed and comfortable, come to my place. I promise you, promise you it's going to be incredible. And I don't think people believe me. And then everybody who is here is just like, oh my God, look at this. This is right here. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I live. But yeah, no, um, because we had to clean up the yard and the house and get ready for that. Um, the week has been kind of quiet and the biggest event of the week has been Dexter has gone to New Mexico to see his dad for two weeks. So the house is a lot quieter. The refrigerator doesn't empty as fast. The sink doesn't fill with dishes. It's, it's just an amazing thing when you don't have a teenager in your house. It's amazing. <laughs> like so there should be an extermination system where they just go and help you get rid of that pest. No, but I, I hope he's happy. You know, as an adult, I remember visiting my dad and and those were important years for me to kind of reboot the relationship. So I hope he is having a good time. When he comes back a couple of weeks later, he moves into the dorms. So life is really in flux here. Do you have any kids, Sonia? I do, yeah. I have a 15 month old, part of the inspiration behind my, uh, behind Cray. <laughs> All right. Well, at least you don't have to worry about the teenage years, at least not for another couple of years, but uh, well, we, <laughs> or so we, a decade. Yeah, we've all been teenagers, so I'm sure it's uh, and, you know, it, he's really, really growing and he's really developing. It's survival. So. Oh, it's right. Yeah. You hadn't seen him in a bit, huh? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really, really cool. And now with, with a summer that we can actually enjoy, this is my first time actually taking the mask off. And I'll tell you that last week going to the A's game and. Um, you know, hanging out with you guys for the 4th of July and being able to socialize without the mask. It's so wonderful. I think it's such a, um, it's a really cool thing. Well, how did you enjoy your 4th, Sonia? Uh, I, it was good. We went, actually went to Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Who's oh, from nice. Tennessee? Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Who's from there? No one is from there. My husband actually had a job interview there. Nice. Um, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's uh yeah, I mean it's a little terrifying the thought of like leaving here and moving there, but it is it's a lovely town. We spent the fourth there, fourth, fifth, and sixth there, just checking out the area. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of folks are uh, I mean, there's been a bit of a migration thing going on. But um Tennessee, I mean it's it's a red state, but you know, you never know how migration can change things. Um uh, but in any case, 
there have been a couple of um, current events. I, you know, of course, I had it on my laptop, and now I don't have the laptop anymore. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but uh, Rich, Richard Branson, you know, he's going to space. I don't know what's up with all these um, millionaires. So there's, what, three of them now going? Well, I've heard of Elon Musk. I've heard of uh, Richard uh, Branson. I don't know who else wants to go. I thought somebody else was threatening to. I thought they were saying it was going to be like a race of the billionaires. Oh, Jeff Bezos, I think, wasn't he? I hope. Let's oh. send Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is like white privilege or what's going on, <laughs> but um, it must be nice. Billionaire <laughs> privilege, yeah. <laughs> And of course, uh, there's been, uh, let's see, there's, you know, I'm a little bit worried about the, um, the variant that's happening. I mean, we've, I think, you know, in California, Delta. yeah, the Delta variant, most of us here in California are vaccinated. I've heard numbers that 75% of us are vaccinated, but this Delta variant, you know, if enough people in the deep South don't get vaccinated, it's going to affect the rest of the country. And already yeah. Pfizer is talking about us having a third dose even if you've had two doses of the vaccine so um sonia how you how you and your family have um handled this uh life of you know COVID 19 post COVID 19 i'm uh, hoping uh, all of you are vaccinated um have you oh been yeah good i mean we're yeah we're all vaccinated my family my parents everybody i mean obviously my daughter is not and i think that's the hardest part is the, you know, the, at least in California where everyone is pretty much vaccinated, but like the children, um, right. you know, and how do you go about kind of things are lo loosening up and you want to take your kids out, but then how do you kind of keep them safe, especially because she's too young to wear a mask. Um, so it, it's, it's difficult. I mean, the, the good thing about the, the vaccine is even with the Delta variant, if you do still catch it being vaccinated, the risk of of severe COVID or hospitalization is essentially zero. Um, so that part is good, but then anyone who's not vaccinated, you, got, you, know, you have to worry because it's so contagious. Yeah, and of course, you know, when I think about a parent with a young child, you're so dependent upon everyone else around you being I know, civilized or whatever. So when other people are not vaccinated because of whatever their own reasons are, conspiracy theories or whatever, it can affect your daughter. I mean, you have to, you know, as you carry, you know, a baby or a toddler around, I mean, even schools, um, you know, you may be fully vaccinated, you may be doing everything right at home, but if the child goes out in the world and someone else doesn't do their job, that still affects you. So, you know, I stress everyone, you know, get vaccinated and, um, you know, let's get back to normalcy, some sort of normalcy. Well, and, yeah. you know, and that danger is still there for the unvaccinated. I mean, that's, that's who's in the hospitals right now. Exactly. I've heard, you know, stats of 80% and more. I think one was hospital was 100%. All of their COVID cases are unvaccinated people. I'm like, come on, y'all. Wow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, with that, let's get into an origin story. Um, Sonia, how did you get involved in theater? Where were you born and raised? Um, so born and raised in a town outside of LA. Um, it's called Glendora. Where? Oh, Glendora. Oh, yeah. I went to Citrus College. Oh. I am a so graduate you... of Citrus College. No way. Okay. Yep. Small world. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's great. I mean, usually anybody I tell, even people who are familiar with Southern California, don't know where going to I usually tell them, do you know where Raging Waters is? Because <laughs> that's where it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I um 
I, as far as when I got into like theater and acting was probably about uh, like six years ago when I moved to San Francisco, I started taking classes. Um, before that, when I lived in LA, when I was growing up there, um, it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, and I remember like when I was figuring out, you know, my senior year of high school, what to do, I had like talked to my parents about how that was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, and they were not, they were not on board. Uh, you know, my parents are very traditional, like Indian parents, um, immigrant parents, and, um, they wanted me to, to do something else. And then they were like, oh, but you know, you can try this after you go to college and get a job or whatever. So are you first generation had, Indian? I'm sorry. Are you first generation Indian? I was born and raised here. Um, and my, yeah, my parents are, came from India. Right on. Yeah. Um, so they really wanted me to be a pharmacist. And <laughs> <laughs> my mom was like, this is the perfect job, blah, blah, blah. And cause I wasn't able to kind of do that, go the route, the other route. Okay. So I, um, I went to pharmacy school in Buffalo, New York, uh, actually. And then, um, I did post-grad training there specializing in like diabetes care and hypertension and things like that. And then I moved here uh, to the Bay Area nine years ago working. And then, then I was like, okay, now I'm going to, you know, I'm, I have a job, I have my degree. Now I'm going to start taking classes. And so I started taking classes in San Francisco um, and I just fell in love. It was, it was just like, there was this hole in my heart that got filled um, when I started, uh, acting and, and getting into theater, um, and scene study. And then it just kind of went, the rest is history, just kind of, it's just been a growing experience every day since then. No, that's very cool. We have a lot of individuals who, let's say they go to acting school, they want to be, get involved in acting, let's say from high school and they're right into it. But then you have others like, you know, with me, I went to acting school, but I'd stopped acting. I didn't, wasn't involved in theater for a long period of my life. I think from 91 all the way to the year 2000, a good nine years. And then coming to the Bay Area, I was like, you know what, I've got to feel that again. So it's good that, you know, you sort of did the same thing. Now, were, were you married at the same time? I mean, did you have to, you know, it's easy for a, a single individual to say, hey, I'm going to jump into doing this. But, you know, when you're when you're a couple or when you're involved with someone, there may be a discussion that you have to have. Did you have to have that discussion? Yeah. So I actually um, started taking classes after I got married. Uh, and he was very on board, um, just extremely supportive from day one. So definitely wasn't an issue with him. Awesome. My parents, on the other hand, were like, <laughs> they were like, what are you doing? And I said, don't you remember when I was 16, 17, and you said that I could do this? They didn't remember. <laughs> I always joke that they're like, parents are the best gaslighters. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had, we've had a couple of, um, I think we've had Radhika Rao on, and we've also had um, Nassim Badi. Um, and I think um, um, Taranj Yegazarian, um, a couple of women who are either first generation Americans or they come from the Middle East and they've talked about their, their, uh, the dynamics between them and 
their parents. And sometimes that can be difficult um, getting involved in arts because, you know, uh, parents want you to do the absolute best and they don't want you to make any mistakes or anything like that. Were you involved in other, uh, were you involved in theater companies? What companies have you been involved with in the Bay Area? Yeah, so um, I uh, did my first, so I first, the first play I did after taking classes was actually through the um, San Francisco Community College. I was taking acting classes there and then I did Spoon River Anthology Ooh, nice. um, at the theater there and which is directed by Lauren English. And um, oh, nice. so I did that. And then um, I did a play uh, written and directed by Linnea Diaz-Hagen um, called The Education of Addie Jimenez, which was a drama about domestic violence and immigration. It was very, um, very profound play. Um, and then before COVID in 2019, I joined um, Awesome Theater. Uh, did oh, a play great. called Let Yeah, I did a play called Let's Kill Jessica, which is a dark comedy written by Claire Rice and directed by Nikki Menez. And that was performed at um, Piano Fight. Yeah, and that was great. Yeah, and that was such an amazing experience. That was, I think it was like 10 weeks um, that we performed every Thursday night. We sold out every week. Um, and, and, and that was kind of where I really learned that I really like, I really like dark comedy. Because I played kind of like a sociopath serial killer and it was pretty awesome um and I, I love awesome theater I'm still we we actually just did um like a zoom kind of the like a zoom theater movie uh horror um called holy s-h-i-t that was scary and that mm. was just like a uh it was like an hour and a half different little vignettes um through awesome theater and that was that was filmed earlier this year as well is that awesome or awesome like A-W-E. Awesome. Awesome. Got it. Okay. I've never heard of the theater company. I mean, I may have hit Norman. Yeah, they do, um, they do a lot of things at, uh, at Piano Fight. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. No, I love Piano Fight. We, um, the last time I was there, the Musical Cafe, uh, that was uh, in 2018. But Piano Fight is fantastic. And now it's, of course, here in Oakland. I imagine when you did it, it was uh, in San Francisco? Well, it's mm -hmm. both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know if they took over... Piano, that, the Oakland one just got piano. If I just took took that, yeah, took right, exactly. That, right? Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. recent. Yeah, exactly. So, how did you go get involved in the playwriting? Uh, is this your first play, or have you done other plays before? Yeah, so this is actually a it's actually a screenwriting for a film. Um, so I was planning planning to film it versus uh, doing the doing it as a play. Um, the uh, Cray and. Uh, I mean, I wrote it during COVID, so I think that's why I hadn't written it as a, as a play at the, at the time. But um, where I got into it was, um, so I just, I never really, when I was, you know, acting and just applying for things, I never really, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, you should make your own, own stuff, you know, create your own content for like the role that you want. Um, and I always felt like, I need to first make sure it's something that I'm very, very passionate about because that's how it translates, right? If it, if it comes from the heart, something that you're writing and creating versus you're just writing and creating it just to serve you as an actor, it's very different and people can tell. So right. this is the first time that I, you know, had an idea where I felt so passionate about it. And so the film Cray, it's a dark comedy about postpartum depression. 
and friendship. And so that it's, it's coming from my personal experience after I had my daughter last year. Um, so I had, she was born March 18th of 2020, which was like the third day of the lockdown, yeah. statewide lockdown. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember so that, yeah. I remember Monday, the lockdown happened. Tuesday, I went into labor and then, you know, Wednesday she was born. So everything was kind of just thrown out the door. I tried to plan, you know, I had everything planned out. I had like a doula, I had set up, you know, my parents that my parents and my in-laws were like going to come over to our house and help. And then this whole thing happened, you know, you're supposed to stay at home, not like commingle. And um, we just literally directly from the hospital, we uprooted and moved in with um, our family. Um, just so we had that help. Cause we knew like, if we went home, we would be totally isolated with a newborn. Um, and we thought it would be good to have that support, which was very, very good. But I think just the whole situation with COVID, the isolation and all of that, um, really affected my mental health. And, um, uh, particularly, you know, I had postpartum depression and I felt there was, there is a stigma in general with mental health. Um, and that was something that I wanted to break with Cray. And so that was kind of what what prompted it. And then the it was inspired by two characters that I wrote, Cora and Ray, which is why it's called Craig. It's just a fun combo of their names. <laughs> but um, Cora is she is a new mom. She's married and has a six month old. And Ray is single um, and just like dumpster fire personal life. And the dark and the comedy is just the how contrasting the two of them are, but they're best friends. Um, and Cora has postpartum depression. Ray has no idea. And the, the, it starts out, the show starts out with um, Cora about to overdose on a bunch of pills. And Ray walks in on her about to do it. And um, I just feel like that's a very important, that's something very important that is not talked about it a lot. Or if it is, it's in a very, very heavy way where a lot of people... I feel like kind of turn away because they're like, oh, I don't feel like watching something that like serious and heavy. And that's kind of where the dark comedy aspect came in because I wanted it to be um, just discuss this topic in a way where everyone can can see it and, and be entertained, but also understand like the, you know, the root and importance of the of it. Yeah, I was checking out the Seed and Spark uh, website and we'll post the website. That's where you have the fundraiser. And also you have some clips of the uh, the play where you I think you play. Do you play Ray? Yes, I play Ray, the single, the single friend. <laughs> yeah, but it's wonderful. I mean, you know, you have two individuals who are going through divergent um, climatic I mean, um, crisis moments in their lives, and you find strength in each other. Um, and it's one thing that I've found dealing with, uh, you know, talking with individuals who've had to go through stress or trauma in their lives, usually when you work with someone else, uh, helping someone else can also help you and also heal you as well. And I totally understand not dealing with it too heavy, not dealing with the theater aspect of it too heavy, but also not taking it too lightly, but finding that that balance. So I think it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And it sounds like you've gotten a lot of, um, you've already, says Team Cray, we did it. You raised $13,551. So that's fantastic. Damn. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, how far do you have to go? I mean, how, how much more do you need before um, you can start production? Yeah, um, well, so the the fundraising, so the pre-production fundraiser ended a couple weeks ago. 
Um, I'm probably going to launch a post-production fundraiser after we film. Um, I raised enough money for pre for production. Um, production, I mean, almost enough. Production is going to cost roughly fourteen thousand dollars, and my goal was twelve thousand. So I'm just over the moon that I nice. raised, you know, over twelve thousand. I'm very, very thankful for everyone, you know, that that donated and supported. Um, post-production will probably cost another, like, you know, five thousand. Um, well, pre pre and post, I spent some money in pre-production as well. Um, so yeah, I'll just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can launch another fundraiser. I mean, part of fundraising too, is to, to just, to spread the word, um, right. you know, um, it's not just about the money. It's about kind of showing everybody, Hey, this, look at this, this might be something that you'd, you'd want to see. Yeah. Do you have your, um, because when I think of th the transition between theater and film, it's almost a different, it is a different beast. And uh, you have, it's not just a director and someone building the sets or whatever, but also, you know, who's going to do the camera work, who's going to do the cinematography. And even if you have someone different than the director, a director, a cinematographer, you also have someone who's doing the editing. Do you have your crew with you? Or are you still searching for people who will work on this project for you? Yeah, I have I have most of my crew. Um, I've got my cinematographer Gemma Dahl Grossman. She's actually coming up from LA to to be to film it. Um, I'll be directing uh, as well as you know co-starring in it. Um, my producer Eric, he's from he's from the company We Make Movies. Uh, assistant director Stephanie Yuan, um, and I have my sound guy, Big Break Sound. Um, so I've got, I, I'm still looking for a few people here and there, but I've, I've got a pretty awesome, awesome production team. And my, my actors um, are, you know, they're theater trained. We all take, uh, we're all in the same acting class, scene study with Robert Zimmerman and Peter Alice at ZA Studio, but they've all been, um, you know, they have great experience in theater. Um, Alex Mortensen, he was, um, he, he did the, the speakeasy. If you, I, it, unfortunately, that ended, you know, a couple of years ago. Are you guys familiar? Oh Is yeah, the, yeah. The immersive, immersive speakeasy. I mean, he was he was in there for eight months, um, and during their final year, uh, and um, and then Noe Flores. He he was in a bunch of stuff. He was he he did a um, a show through Killing My Lobster, which I know you guys have talked about in your past podcasts, um, and a, a bunch of other uh, things through Alter Theater, Firescape Theater, and Awesome Theater. Uh, and then my co-star, Antonia, who's going to be playing Cora, um, she's done productions with Left Coast Theater, uh, Inferno Theater. She also just did a, a directed a Zoom, a Zoom play earlier this year. Um, so I think it's really awesome to bring, you know, other theater Bay Area actors um, on, on this project to have that immersion of, of the film and theater. With yeah, I, you know, it's so impressive because it sounds like this is your very, very first foray into pr producing and especially and even a film is that right have you have you directed or produced on the theater level or is this really your first time producing at all first time at all yeah it's it's yeah. a growing pain and and i commend you i mean you know raising thirteen thousand dollars is excellent and it sounds like you have people who are really really dedicated to this project um have there been what are what are the um the um the, what's what's been the most difficult part of this process especially if this being your first time Fundraising was a whole beast in itself. I mean, I knew it was going to be stressful, but that was, it is so, it's 
such a vulnerable position to put yourself in. Um, I felt going through that experience. I mean, because for people to be motivated to help you, you know, produce, produce your passion, this project, you have to be very transparent. I mean, I think you need to be very forthcoming. I thought I needed to be very forthcoming and transparent about why I wanted to do this. So I had, you know, I, I mostly, I posted a lot on my, um, the Cray campaign Facebook page. And then I also my Instagram, hand, um, my personal Instagram, I posted a lot, but I posted a lot on my personal struggles with postpartum depression and just um, maternal mental health. And that was really hard because I kept it a secret for so long. That was what prompted me to write this, this um, screenplay as, you know, because it was, um, I just felt like it, it was a story that needed to be told, but I was ashamed for so long and kept mm -hmm. it a secret for so long. And then to go from that to sharing it with the world, <laughs> just throwing it all out there. Um, and then, you know, you can't help but feel sad when, you know, there's some people that you thought would maybe be backing it and then they, they're kind of, it's crickets, you know. Um, but at the same time, it was such a valuable experience because there were just so many people, especially in the um, theater and acting community, you know, where it's like, everyone is struggling financially. I mean, this uh, this pandemic and the economy just crashing and people losing their jobs, but everyone was just, was don't, you know, everyone in the community was donating just whatever little that they had. Um, and that was just so touching. Um, and that, that helped counteract the difficulty that, that I had with, with the campaigning and just being, having to be so transparent. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was, that was really hard. That was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was fundraising. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that aren't isn't really taught. You know, when we go into active school or when we get involved in the theater, we think about the art, but we don't think about the business of it, you know, fundraising or whatever. Norman, you've had to go through that with um, Oakland Public Theater, you know, on a theater level, just learning how to write a grant and ra raising the money and getting right. involved. Hey, come to my show, not everyone else's show, or, you know, you can go to their shows, but please come to mine. Was that that was definitely one of the things I did when I started my own company was to reach out to the rest of the theater community and say, well, let's be serious about this. When you're doing a show, I'm probably not doing a show. And when I'm doing a show, if you're a small company like me, you're probably not doing a show. So whenever anybody walks in your theater, you've gotten the money you're going to get from them for maybe the next six months until you do your next thing. So why not put in your program that I'm also in this area and I'm doing a show and I'll do the same for you. I didn't see any point in trying to compete with people. It just, it never made sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the important thing about theater, you know, support my show, I'll support your show. Let's all do this on a community basis. And Shonya, like I said, I commend you for, you know, raising the money and getting people aware. And also, it's a very serious subject. It's something that we haven't talked about. We've talked about a little bit on that in the yay. We've had young actors who have children, and they've had to balance motherhood and all the struggles of motherhood with also being their own individual selves and getting up on the stage. And when we talk about emotions and what's going on inside of you, it's a very, I've always said that you know, our emotions is the currency of theater. You know, we're asked to cry, we're asked to get angry, we're asked to have all of these emotions of our characters on stage, but we never really focus on, a lot of us don't focus on our own mental health. You know, when we're off the stage yeah. and we're not, you know, the makeup is off at everything, 
are we okay? And it sounds like your play, Cray, um, your movie, Cray, deals with that. Yeah, it sounds yes. like it touches on both. I mean, I think as a general thing, our society doesn't, doesn't have a good attitude towards mental health and taking care of yourself. But I think even more specifically, women get pushed into that. It's all on you. Yeah. It's all yours. You deal with it. Yeah, the, yeah. And, and the trope of, well, of course, you'll be a doting mother and you'll be a loving mother. You'll be smiling and happy. And of course, the baby will be wonderful. It'll be like the Partridge family. And of course, it isn't all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that was a big thing that I, you know, that I wanted to show because that was something that I struggled with too, was I think society just shows mothers and also in social media too. I mean, people only share like, well, a lot of times people share the good things, you know, which makes sense. Right. But then you're seeing all these like happy moms with their kids and, um, you know, and obviously I think it goes without saying I love my daughter to death, but, you know, those first few months, I was so, when I was go really dealing with the thick of it, I felt so guilty, you know, because right. it's, it's like, I should just, she's this happy, healthy, beautiful baby. I should be thrilled. But why do I feel this way? I feel like a terrible mother, you know, and just yeah. going through all those things. <laughs> what is your daughter's name? Serena. Serena. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Beautiful name. Thanks. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, I had kind of like an awakening when I had my, my daughter, um, I struggled with whether I ever wanted kids. Um, and, you know, I went through a period of time where I felt I'd be fine, you know, not having kids because I was very career driven. Um, and I also was never that great with children. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think so as, as a result with that mindset before I had her, I was so head in the clouds when my friends had kids. Um, I never thought to check in on them when they had their babies to make sure they were doing okay mentally. I'd maybe be, I'd, I'd always be asking how the baby's doing, you know, I was never like, how are you doing? Um, and so then having that kind of realization, um, and I'm not, and I'm not saying people did that to me. I actually had the opposite situation where everyone was just so great and constantly checking on me. Mm -hmm. um, but that made me feel guilty because I realized like, I didn't do this for you. Um, and so that's kind of the birth of the two characters, actually Ray, the single the single friend was me before I had a kid and Cora is me like after. Uh -huh. um, I'm always interested in the playwriting process, um, just how to develop a play. We've had a lot of playwrights and even, uh, you know, Ruben Grijalva, you know, who runs or who's part of the playground. He's also a, a budding filmmaker as well. Just the writing process. When you began this process, uh, did you just write down your thoughts? Did you think about the, I guess, the structure of how it would be like a plot line? Um, you know, which came first? Um, so I, I went through so many um, scenarios in my head. Um, and so in the very beginning, I definitely wanted it to be about two friends, um, you know, one who had a kid and one who didn't, because I think from the very beginning, I wanted some, some sort of like, me, you know, pre and post me, like basis. Um, but I, I was struggling with like, how did I want to present that and present that relationship? And in the very beginning, so I went through scenarios in my head, but without putting anything on paper, I would actually just daydream a lot, especially in the shower or just doing chores or like lying awake in bed. I just think about these, like play it in my head. Um, and I actually had in the very beginning that, um, that it would start, it, it was very dark in the very beginning. I had a lot of very dark um, synopsis in my head. 
And then I think that was because of the, the, the space that I went, was in at the time was I wasn't quite healed yet from, from my, from, with my um, depression. And so like Cora went through a lot, a lot more horrible things and, and it slowly got lighter and lighter. And I think once the fog in my head kind of lightened up, then I was actually able to write. So I would say beginning of this year in like January, February, all of a sudden I just started writing. And it was like, I don't know what happened. It was just one day I was like, oh, and I just started writing everything down. And I wrote, actually wrote the whole script in one day. And then I spent, um, you know, weeks like attending like a writing class and, and editing it. Um, uh, and there was just no process. It was so just chaotic in my brain. Did you? Have, I'm sure you had read-throughs. Uh, did the read-throughs go well? How many read-throughs did you go through? Yeah, so I went through probably like at least five or six week read-throughs. Like every week, there was this um, screenwriting class through PageCraft Writing, um, and that was really cool. It was like a female writing writer's lunch um, every week around like 12 p.m., and all of the writers would read their scripts out loud for each other. Um, and that was so helpful because I had, you know, the first script I wrote, the first draft, I was like so proud of myself. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is great. Like, oh, this is going to be so wonderful. Um, you know, pat myself on the back for writing this. And, and then when I did the first uh, read through, hearing people read it out loud, you know, I realized, wow, this is way too long. No <laughs> right. <arc. laughs> We've all gone through that. We've all gone through that. Go ahead. <laughs> No, yeah, I mean, that's exactly like, no, this is, I mean, the first thought I had was, this is terrible. This has a lot of work that needs to be done. And yeah, it was about two solid months every week of just writing and rewriting to clean it up. Very, very good. I wrote it down, PageCraft. Is that a website? Is that because, you know, people who are listening and watching this, they'll be like, hey, I want to do what Sonia's doing. Um, is PageCraft a, is it something on the internet that people can use? Yeah, I believe it's pagecraftwriting. Yeah, it's pagecraftwriting.com. Okay, I'm going to write that down for folks. Awesome. You know, as, as thinking about individuals who have written about, let's say, depression or whatever, like I was involved in a production of Wonder of the World written by David Lindsay Abair, basically about a woman who was going through a crisis, and she's going. To, she went to Buffalo, New York, and she was going to go down the Niagara Falls, but it was a zany comedy. And uh, it was actually the first production that I was involved with with EastEnders, which I joined. And that was a company that went around for about, I don't know, 20, 25 years or whatever. But in any case, Wonder of the World, I think about, I think about women on the verge of a nervous breakdown mm -hmm. where there's also, you know, uh, zaniness, but it's sort of like a, um, a, like a uh, daytime soap opera set in Madrid, Spain. And it was a musical, but it also dealt with a woman who's going through a bit of a midlife crisis. Would you, um, I'm, I'm thinking about your writing style. Do you think it would be sort of sitcom-y or farcical? I know you said it's a dark comedy, but um, how would you pattern yourself? I mean, uh, what type of, um, is it slapstick comedy, do you think? Yeah, it is definitely a sitcom style. Um, there are obviously some very dark and heavy moments, but it's very balanced by the, by the, uh, sitcom aspect and there is a, a little I don't want to give up too much away but there's definitely a slapstick scene um, in there 
that really light lightens it up because there needs to be a balance i mean you have something so in my you know that's the way i felt you have something so heavy like a mom is ready to kill herself you know and sorry trigger warning i i hope anyone that's listening <laughs> here. but um uh but you know uh so that's that's why i had i wanted it to write it in a, in a style where it did feel like a sitcom no, no, no. I mean, you know, that's it. You're obviously dealing with some real subjects and you're not afraid to tackle those subjects. So that's good. Are you um, do you want to get back on stage? I mean, a lot of times we've had a lot of young mothers who wanted to come back on stage as acting. Some were able to because they had the support of the family, like, let's say the husband would take care of the child. Others don't. You know, there's single mothers who want to jump back on stage. We had a wonderful friend of ours, Priya Gayadeen, who's actually doing a wonderful, she's actually transitioned to comedy. She's into sketch comedy. I didn't know if you knew that, Norman. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, I've, I've seen. But I didn't think she did. She did try getting back in until, you know, definitely after the infant stage. Right, exactly. I think, um, oh, shucks, I, um, I forget the son's name. But in any case, he had to be at least six or seven years old before she got back. Um, are, do you want to go back on stage, Sonia? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, my first first love is theater, live performance. Um, I would love to get back on stage. And I, I want and I plan to. I am very fortunate to have a lot of help here. Um, so both sets of grandparents live here uh, locally um, in the East Bay. Um, and yeah, I mean, I definitely uh, I'm very determined. I mean, it's a, it's a, it would be extremely hard, especially with, you know, the, the rehearsals are typically every night, you know, for for several weeks. Um, but I want to get back out, back out there, especially combination of having a kid plus everything shutting down. Um, really itching to do theater again. Yeah, and hopefully, I have no idea what the theater scene is in Tennessee. If you if you and your husband move there, but um, hopefully, you know, you'll be able to find some work. And also, I mean, if since you're doing film, you may jump into film. I mean, is there an aspect of film that you enjoy more than theater, or could you see yourself doing both? I could see myself doing both. I definitely enjoy film um, as well. Uh, because it's 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 great that with film you have the potential to reach such a wide audience um, virtually. But I, I know you you were also talking in your previous podcasts about streaming plays, which is also really a, a great idea. And I think that's going to happen more often now because of things being shut down. But I, I would want to do a combination. Um, in film, I I mean dark comedy is really what I what I love. Um, doing but comedy in general I really love doing um, so you know I love sitcoms I love watching sitcoms all the classic like 90s tv shows are my favorite I'd love to be in like a sitcom or like a single cam um, comedy uh, you know if I were to do film yeah Norman I want to bring you in uh, I remember we had a guest you remember Carolyn Doyle she of course. Uh, yeah, she has a um, she's a wonderful actress and oh has, my gosh, yes, no, I, I cast her in one of the first shows Oakland Public Theater did. Yeah, and she has a son who is developmentally disabled. So right. think about you know just postpartum depression, but also dealing with a son who you have to take care of really until I guess the end of his life or or her life or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and she did a one woman play, basically talking about being a mother to a a. a um, a development disabled child and it was one woman show and she and susan evans and i remember we 
talking with Susan Evans about the process of working with an actress or someone who's uh, a writer who's writing about their own personal experiences. And Susan talked about not only being a director and focusing on the work at hand, but also sometimes being a sort of psychiatrist or psychologist, helping the playwright go through crafting their own personal issues into a play and into something that's palatable to an audience. Have you had to go through that? Because I know you work with a lot of budding playwrights just saying, hey, I know you want to write on this, but this is how you can make it palatable to an audience. Well, ultimately, it's whatever the it's the story that the writer wants to tell. So as a director, I mean, in fact, I just talked, <laughs> I just met with a playwright a couple of weeks ago and I got an email, you know, a couple of days later saying, I loved our meeting. I'm rewriting the play. And I was like, see, this is when I did a workshop with playwrights a couple of months ago. I, <clears throat> that was one of the first things I said is I try not to tell a playwright how to write their play because inevitably, whatever you say, you say go this way and the playwright's going to go that way. That's, that's what's going to happen. You say a little less of this and they're going to add something in over here. That's, that's just the nature of the beast. And that's fine. They, you have to trust their voice. You have to trust that they have some idea what they're doing. What I bring into it is structure. Three-hour show, audience not going to have a good time unless it's just the most amazing three hours of your life. What if you really got it down to what it, what is it you need to say and how can we reduce that? And I know in your experience, when that first happened, your aunt and your cousin were there and the next door neighbor and all that, who's the story actually about? Do we need all those other people? Is it important? Why do they need to be there? Because as a director, <clears throat> I spend a lot of time telling actors, your role is important. It doesn't matter how small it is. The writer needed you to be a part of this story. So you're not small. You are, you're small like a keystone is small. Keystone is one stone in an arch. It holds up Without the arch. Without it, the whole thing falls apart. <clears throat> You have to see it that way. You have to see that your role has a purpose and that's what you're doing. So I try to figure out what it is the writer is doing. I love getting the feedback. Wow, I never thought about that about my play. I'm like, yeah, I'm not telling you what your play is. I'm just telling you what popped out to me. And if that's important to you, then great, keep it there. And if that's a distraction to you, then you go back in and rewrite. I remember working with a playwright not long ago. We did a read of a scene historical characters, lesbian relationship that if you dig, you can find out that these women were lesbians, but the way it's normally told in history, that's sort of skipped over. She wrote this very sexy scene between these two women. We were like, damn, that's hot. Like I care about the suffragettes now because it's not just about politics and women's rights. These two women are hot. You know, the way they're coming at each other was a very romantic scene. It was gorgeous. She walked out of the room going, I'm going to cut that. That's not important. That's not the history. And I'm like, nobody's reading the history. Nobody cares about the history. But when you make us care about those two characters, now we care about everything they care about. And unfortunately, that writer just couldn't hear that. She went back and cut all that stuff out. And I'm like, now you've got this boring ass play about the letters that this woman wrote to that woman and trying to get underneath to the, oh, but they're actually in a relationship and in love. But it's never explicitly said. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, and of course, um, and I'm, who knows, maybe the woman's like, well, 
you're coming up from a man's perspective, but you, you have to see it from my perspective. But no, the women in the room were saying the same thing. The actress <laughs> who read the scene, the actresses, there were two actresses who read the scene. They were raving about it. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Sonia, let me ask you this question. What are the playwrights? What do you model your writing pattern after? I mean, are there any playwrights or, I don't know, shows or whatever that you pattern your, your work under? Um, so not particularly, it was kind of just, like I said, it was so, so much chaos in my brain that I kind of just threw it on paper. And then I took the, the classes to, uh, kind of streamline and make it more palatable. Um, but playwright, but like, um, playwrights that I, I really like Teresa Rebeck. Um, she did, uh, Spike Heels and, um, it's, you know, comedy. She writes a lot of comedies and also dark comedies, or, or I mean, drama, dramedies. Um, and as far as like film, um, the show for me, the, the, the theme of my, of Cray is like a fusion between the two TV shows, um, Insecure on HBO and Working Moms. Yeah. Which is like I think a Canadian show. Is it Issa Rae? I think Issa Rae produces and directs Insecure. Yeah. 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 yeah and stars in it. Yep. Yeah. Um, just like the the friendship, the dynamic with Issa Rae and her um, and the other character Molly, uh, and then also working moms. You know, it's it's about uh, obviously they're all all moms, and one of them in 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 that show has postpartum depression. So it's kind of a fusion between between those two shows. Was what the inspiration was for me. Cool. Um, let me ask you this: has has it actually helped you? I mean, did the writing, did the artistic, I guess, process of creating Cray and all of the support that you've gotten, has it helped you in your, um, the postpartum depression, did it get, get you out of the cloud? Yeah, it definitely, definitely helped. Um, because it also, I think it also gave me a purpose with, with um, what I went through because I, I went through many months where I just wanted to help. I wanted to help somehow. I wanted to reach out to other moms you know, that had maternal, some sort of maternal mental illness. Um, specifically, there was a South Asian Indian um, American woman, uh, similar age to me, had a baby around the same time as me. She um, took her life uh, last year. Mm. Um, and I didn't know her personally, um, but I, I saw it all, all over social media. And that was, that was the moment where I, I knew I wanted to do something um, in that sphere to raise awareness. And I just didn't know what. And I went through so many ideas in my head where I was like, maybe I could write an article and see if someone would, you know, post it on one of the, uh, you know, um, one of the journals would like take the article or a blog or something. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm I'm an actor. I should be doing something in that aspect, in the in the entertainment aspect, and um, that's kind of what gave me the idea to write to write Cray, um, because I ultimately I just want to reach as many, not just mothers, but anyone struggling with mental illness. I just want to reach as many people as possible, and I really like what you said, Norman about if you don't, it, you need to care about the characters in order to care about what they care about. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was kind of what, what was motivating for me to write these two main characters, Cora and Ray, like I want, and they're so different and I want everybody to, to 
want to get to know them more because that's going right. to and and to like them because that's going to get people to be more um to care about the about the awareness surrounding yeah. you know right when you make it human when we when it's somebody we can see going through the experience then we relate yeah yeah exactly right i mean if, if there's a i just recently saw a movie and Apparently, there was so much action and, and other things going on that there was not a lot of emphasis on the character, him or herself. And I was like, as an audience member, why am I watching this? Who do I care for? And why would I care for this individual? So and it's one of those difficult things as a writer to do, to create a character that people will love without preaching to someone or skipping to the action. And you don't really focus on the character. Character development is a very tough thing. But it sounds like you um it sounds like you've created some really cool characters. And a lot of times it's just dialogue. It's just having Ray and Cora talk to each other. And let's say, you know, them bump heads a little bit and then, you know, you you sort of have the friendship, the budding friendship that everyone can gravitate towards. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the hope. And I would say, um, you know, circling back to what's the hardest thing, I think now that fundraising is over, um, just maintaining the faith and confidence that I had, <laughs> that I have, that this is going to be, you know, a great show that everyone is going to enjoy, enjoy watching, you know, because it's often, I, it's so easy to like, get scared or doubt yourself. Um, and, and especially because I'm wearing so many hats, writer, director, producer, actor, um, and just maintaining that clarity, you know, is, is something that I'm, I'm working on right now. Yeah, it sounds like you're approaching it right. <laughs> Thanks. So what is the next step? I mean, I guess will people can people can go on to the seedandspark.com to learn more about Cray. Um, it sounds like the fundraising is over because you've raised, you know, more than enough. Uh, but is this the site where people can see where the next development or will actually see when it's all done, the actual full production of Cray? Um, yeah, so there's a there's a few options to stay to stay updated. So the Seed and Spark campaign, even though it's over, you can still follow the campaign. Um, you can register with Seed and Spark and, and follow. And then anytime I, I uh, post an update on there, you know, you'll get an email um, with the update. The, I also have a Facebook page, um, Facebook.com/slash/CrayCampaign, um, and that's a Facebook page. You could follow that. I post on there, or you could follow my personal Instagram at, and my full name, Sonia Saukar, S-A-W-K-A-R. So those, all three of those angles is where I'm, I'm going to be actively posting. As far as where you can watch it, um, once it's produced, I'm planning to submit it to film festivals. Um, and unfortunately, the requirement film with film festivals is you can't make it publicly available. Um, that's like a disqualification um, if you want to submit it. So there will be a few months where it's not going to be, you know, available for anyone to see. Um, one of my perks uh, when I was fundraising was um, if you donated a certain amount, you could get a private screening. Um, so if people are really yeah. itching to to see it, I'm probably going to do a post-production fundraiser and I'll, you know, reintroduce that that incentive as well. Otherwise, once it's done circulating with the the film. Uh, film festivals, I'll, I'll be sure to post it on all of those, those three, you know, avenues for people to watch. Sounds good. How has Seed and Spark worked? I'm sure a lot of folks uh, who want to fund their, um, you know, whatever the project they're doing, 
has has that worked out for you the the website where you're fundraising yeah i mean seed and spark is great um in a sense that it is a fundraising website specifically exclusively for filmmakers um so mm. you know indiegogo and kickstarter it's like you could kind of fundraise for anything really um and you know you could filter by filmmaking but seed and spark is only filmmaking and um you, they also have a requirement where you have to raise 80% of your goal that you set at the start of your fundraising. You have to raise eight, at least 80% by the end of your um, fundraising time period in order to keep the money. So if you don't reach the 80% mark, then any money that people donated, it all goes back to the donors um, and you lose all that money. Um, so that is, I, I like that because that gives your, your supporters that, um, that assurance, they know, yeah. yeah, it's the assurance, you know, because if you set a goal for like, I set a goal for 12,000, if I only raise like $3,000, I can't make that film. So anyone that that donated, they're thinking, well, what are you doing with my money? Um, so I like that they have that 80% requirement. And they also because of that 80% requirement, they the seed and spark um, staff, they actually have to approve your page before it goes public. Um, so they, they will look at everything that you posted and give you feedback. I had to go through three rounds of, of creating my website before they gave, they, they gave me the green light to, to post, nice. to, to make it public. So it's very, you know, they're very, they really want you to succeed. And I, I really like that. about. Do you have those skills or is that something else you had to teach yourself? Wow. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely had to ask for help. I had, I had two friends um, and fellow actors who did fundraising um, earlier this year and last year, and they were so amazing. Shout out to Katie Austin and Kylie Brady. They, they raised, um, both of them raised over $10,000 for their films. And I was just constantly <laughs> calling and texting them and asking them for help. I mean, I needed a lot of help. That was, it was not, it's not intuitive. It's just something you kind of figure out along the way, but I had no experience before. No, it sounds like it wasn't, it's not, this is not just your project, but it sounds like a collective project. And it's one of the things that I really enjoy about theater and you, you don't just create something for yourself, but you, you know, it's, it's, you're talking about a cause, you know, you're talking about something that affects people's lives, like postpartum depression, dealing with motherhood. And it's the type of theater, I know it's, a, I know it's going to be a film, but it's the type of art, uh, theatrical art that deals with you know the issues that we can not just watch and say oh wow that was a great performance but this is something i can apply to my life i can use this to motivate myself and bring myself up uh to say i don't have to be depressed anymore so i really really applaud what you're doing and of course we're going to be promoting cray um as much as we possibly can uh we've hit the uh one hour mark um shout outs birthdays birthdays i i got quite a list this week um, oh, including starting with today is my sister's birthday. Vicki Thomas um, is my sister, and she just hit 60. So I've been teasing her about that for a few weeks now. I'm like, wow, how did you get that old? Of course, I am the oldest. So anyway, happy birthday, Vicki. Uh, William C. White. I love it when I get to shout out to somebody who is not just a theater artist. Uh, William is... Um, has been on the boards of various theater companies and organizations that support theater. He is a, a wonderful supporter of the arts. Um, Ronnie Washington was my professor at San Francisco State. Amazing actor. And he also taught directing there. I think he still does. 
Um, God, what did I get Ronnie out for? Was it last year? God, wasn't it? When we did um, Maddie May. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember Maddie May. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jennifer King um, is one of those names that I've known in Bay Area theater for almost my whole career. And yet our paths, we, our paths have crossed, but we've never worked together. And now she produces up in the North Bay. Um, I think it's the Novato Shakespeare Festival is one of her projects. Uh, Diana, Diana Lauren Jones is one of my favorite actresses in the Bay Area right now. I just met her a couple of years ago and I've already done maybe four projects with her, mostly little projects. And when I try to get her sometimes, she's doing something else, which makes me proud. It makes me know that I'm picking the right person. Annette Noble was somebody I got to do Dream Girls with. If somebody ever asked me, what's one of the weirdest roles you ever had? I was the announcer in Dream Girls. That's not a role that's written in the play. It's a voiceover. They decided to stick me in and put me in the male chorus. Um, and Annette played uh, the the role that we think, Effie, the role that we now think of as like Jennifer Holliday or Jennifer Hudson, um, Annette played that role. Uh, skipping that name because I know you'll hit it. Uh, Aaron Davidman is a major performer, director, and was artistic director at one point of the Traveling Jewish Theater. Amy Resnick uh, is one of those, if you don't know who Amy Resnick is, you have not seen the best of Bay Area Theater, because I promise you see her on stage and you will just be like, how, where did this woman come from and how is she just here? She's incredible and she's mercurial. You'll see her play one role and then another role, totally different person. She's just amazing. Aaron Anderson and I got to do um, 43 plays for 43 presidents uh, where five actors created a series of mini plays about all the presidents. I would say most of my presidential history comes from that play. Uh, Another name I think you'll have, Vicki Roselle is somebody I met who stage manages and does a lot of behind the scenes work in Bay Area theater. Another name I think you will have, uh, Michael J. Wong is um, Asian actor, Asian American actor, I have not seen in forever. Uh, Alicia Ehrlich is a, a young woman actress in the Bay Area. Jaxie Boyd is, whenever people, whenever you ask that question, Reg, if somebody's thinking about going to New York or LA, Jaxie went down to LA as she like retired early, went down to LA and has been working since in film. Um, Joanna Martin is a local director. Steve Savage, again, those people who are not just theater artists, Steve Savage has been doing uh, photography, headshots and theater photography for decades. And then the final one I have is Mario Gonzalez. And Mario and I met doing um, Each One Reach One, where we went into juvenile hall and did playwriting courses. And I loved it when we would go out to afterwards for a drink and people would say, where'd you guys meet? And like, juvie, right? We met at juvie. Anyway, he lives in New York now and has been doing theater there. That is my group. Happy birthday to you all. Okay, and I have my list here. Um, Shannon Malden, her birthday is tomorrow. She's a fantastic uh, Black actress, and she was on the Yay talking about, you know, transitioning from being a, um, a college basketball star into theater. And, you know, she wants to eventually in the future write about, you know, her experiences. And I was on stage with her. We were at the Town Hall Theater. We did a Civil War Christmas, and she was my rose. And uh, she was a love interest in... Shannon uh, is a fantastic actress. Her birthday is tomorrow. On the 13th, Rosemary Star Kingfisher, a fantastic actress. I'm trying to get her on the yay. Um, when we did a couple of uh, Zoom readings, uh, she was involved in 
dragon uh dragon eggs yes dragon eggs oh yes <clears throat> and she she does a fantastic job her birthday is uh to uh i'm sorry on the 13th right along with diane lauren jones which you've talked about uh on the 14th deborah cortez yep uh she her birthday will be on the 14th she's a fantastic actress i think she's getting into production Produce she has been producing she pro didn't she produce the last show they did yeah, yeah, I believe so. She's doing a fantastic job. And I remember she was one of the first ones to reach out to us to say, hey, I want to use the yay to promote myself. I'm a young actress. And yep. I have known nothing about what's going on in the Bay Area. And she has risen to great Thank heights. You. Yeah. So that is wonderful. Also on the 14th, Anna Yoham. She and I were on stage. We did Candide. She was Paquette. She is a actress, a singer. She had opera training. And uh, she participated in uh, a read-through of my play, Foreman in Paris, one of the read-throughs that we've done. Oh, she, nice. Yeah. Remember, she was in, uh, it was when we did the reading at the um, Play Cafe. Okay. Yep. So um, Anna, her birthday is on the 14th. Also, um, an Ellingtonite uh, who graduated along with me, Dawn McCormick, just fierce, absolutely fierce actress. Hopefully, she's still involved. I always, I, I wonder... Folks that I graduated with, are they still involved? That they still have um, the the energy, the the fire that burns inside of them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, her birthday is on the fourteenth. On the fifteenth, Dan Wilson. We've had him on, yep. great actor, great producer. I'm not sure what he's doing these days, but uh, I'm sure he's always involved. Also on the fifteenth, you uh, saved this for me. The incredible Kimberly Ridgeway. Oh my lord, yes. Actress, producer. Also uh, produced a film, you know, when she was younger, just incredible. And she's always doing some things. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure what she's doing these days, but, she, you know, if she's not doing something, she'll be doing something in the future. So Kimberly, mm -hmm. th uh, happy birthday to you. And the very last thing that I have. No, that was the last thing that I have. That's it. That's <laughs> <100 days. laughs> shows. You have any shows you produce um, you want to um, promote? I, so right now, my life is, is getting consumed by Ju my, the Jupiter in my world. The gravitational pull in my world is all about the Eugene O'Neill National Foundation and uh, our summer retreat, which is coming up. So at the, bar. the big thing I need to do and I will be doing when we get done with this today is promoting that like crazy. We could still use another if I could get four more young actors. This is for high school students, theater students out in Contra Costa County. Um, we'll be doing 10 day workshop. Uh, there's a free shuttle to get to the space. Uh, there's free breakfast and lunch and then shuttle to get you back. <laughs> um, and 10 days, we will create a series of short pieces. We have writers and actors. Our young writers will write pieces. Our young actors will rehearse them and then we'll perform them on August 1st. So that's the big one. And other than that, that's really kind of consuming my world. The only other thing I'll put out is we went to the movies a couple of nights ago and we saw Summer of Soul, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Oh, oh my I, God. I'm totally going to see it. I'm totally going to see it. Oh, people. So the guy who um, who filmed it, the guy who decided, oh, this is going to be an important festival. We should film it, um, said he tried to take it to everybody he could to sell it. He started calling it the Black Woodstock because it was that same summer. And Woodstock just kind of took over everybody's bandwidth. And nobody wanted it. It sat in a basement for 50 years. These these canisters have sat in a basement. And fortunately, it was filmed. So it did preserve. It's being played. It. I can't tell you how moving it is. It is moving. And then it is moving. And then it is even more moving. 
Um, it was incredible. And they just took over this park in Harlem. People keep saying, where was that? Was someplace else? Was that Central Park? No, it is this relatively small park in Harlem. And there were 30 to 50,000 people there a day going to this festival. It, ah. Yeah, they, uh, there's only, I'm definitely going to check it out because I, you know, we've been talking about it. Matter of fact, we talked about it during the, uh, the, when we were at the fourth. The, right. one, the one thing I want to promote, um, so Pleto's production, they, as a matter of fact, they had their um, morning production as we we're doing the yay. Uh, Elephants and Piggies, we are in a play. That is a mm -hmm. play that they're doing. Uh, it's strictly, it's for kids. It's opened uh, today and they will have uh, a couple of other promote shows. Uh, also tonight at 6 p.m. PST, Sunday, 6 p.m., Friday the 16th, Saturday the 17th, and Sunday the 18th, and we'll, of course, have all of those links in our descriptions below. Uh, mm -hmm. If you have young kids and uh, you want to give them some material that's not Disney-ish and is kid-appropriate, this is perfect. Uh, our good friend Curtis Manning is in it, so uh, I'm proud ah! that. And also, um, Central Works, I'd be remiss without, uh, Central Works is promoting, they're having a fundraiser. Um, let me just read this real quick. An amazingly generous group of Central Works supporters has challenged us to be a $10,000 match. If we can raise another 10000 by next Wednesday, July the 15th, we'll make our goal of $20,000. So Central Works is near and dear to our heart. Not only do they promote great theater, they open up their... Um, their space for other companies like Anton's Well to promote, to do their stuff. And also, of course, they're promoting the Yay and they're promoting other um, theater groups and, uh, and shows as well. So if mm. you have a little bit of money, it doesn't have to be much. If you can give to Central Works, that would be great. And also I've talked about, um, oh, shucks, um, Bindlestift uh, Studios. They have a, uh, their podcast called The Fobcast. So check out The Fobcast. Mallory Samara, she has a podcast going on, and we'll have that link in the description below. And oh, I does think, she? Yeah, it's a part of her company. I think it's uh, – I don't have the right in front of me, but I think it's KCBS. But in any case, oh, we'll KCBS, have the link. yes. Yeah, exactly. So she's promoting that, and she's producing it, so I want to promote that as well. And That's of course, wonderful. And I'd be remiss to um, – we want to focus on Cray, the uh, wonderful – uh, play that uh, that you have written, Sonia Sarkar. We're going to give you the link to see it in Spark. Check out Cray. Uh, if you can, you know, if, even if you want to contribute and you you know that Cray already has their money, contribute. Um, check a look at the links. Also, well, check need more money for sure. Yeah, <laughs> check out Seed and Spark as well if you want to promote your own stuff as well. And I think that's it. Uh, Sonia, I hope you had a wonderful time. Yes, absolutely. This was <laughs> wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And we usually don't have a guest on that neither Norman nor I know, but I saw you on Facebook. I knew that you were promoting and I was like, you know what? I want to, you know, help promote this because it's also a very important subject and it's a yeah. dark comedy, so we should have a laugh too. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, that was that was really great of you to reach out. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. All righty. So um as always, you're probably watching this on YouTube. Please like and subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Give us some comments in uh, you know, the comment section below. If you're listening to this on the traditional podcast app, we're on all podcast apps. We're on that purple podcast app if you have an iPhone or an iPad. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com. We're also on Spotify. 
As always, the A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter feed is the Yay 3. Uh, I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Who's Your Hoosier. And Sonia, you said your, um, I think you have a uh, Instagram feed, right? Sonia Sarkar? Yeah, yeah. It's just my first and last name. I'm also on Twitter at the real Sonia S. Huh? The real Sonia S. Okay, we'll have that on the links below. Well, thank you so much. It's a wonderful day. I uh, hope everyone enjoys themselves. And as Norman and I always say, we, we gotta, gotta find, find a better, better style. style. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>